everybody. Good day, friends. I'm Ellie. And I'm Cordy. And, and this, this is The Legendary Handbook. Working title. We've been sent a mysterious book in the mail by our mother, who is a compulsive thrifter. And we are afraid it's a cursed book. If you turned in last week, we read an entry from said book called The Legendary Handbook that freaked us out a lot. It's tuned in, Cordy. But the strangest thing about it is that this contains the name of a relative we may or may not have. Which brings us to our very first special guest of this podcast. We decided to call our beloved mom, Fiona, to ask her about this strange and mysterious relative. We are going to record our call with her so you can all hear our lovely mother. Hi, honey. Hi, mom. Hello, mummy. What can I do for you girls? Uh, we have a random question. Oh? Did you have a relative named Bridget? Mom? Yes, I'm here. Wow. Girls, I haven't heard that name in a long time. So you do have a relative named Bridget? Yeah. My auntie Bridget. My mother's older sister. She went missing when I was a teenager. She went out for tea one day and never came back. Oh my god, really? Yes. We took it to the police and everything. She just vanished. Your granny was heartbroken. Well, that makes sense as to why we've never heard of her. Oh yeah, the family doesn't like to talk about it. It was a difficult time. And there was no evidence of where she went? Nope. She was a bit eclectic, though. At first they thought she'd come right back. She would sometimes wander for hours at a time. But this was the first time she never came back. You know, she's the reason I love Earl Grey tea and thrifting. We used to go all the time when I was little. I haven't thought about her in years. Oh, would you look at the time? The grocery store just ended their senior-only hours, and I need to get there. Can't have all those insane fuckers buying all the toilet paper, can we? Absolutely not. I'd love to see you dropkick one of them, Mom. I very nearly did last week. Not a single roll to be found. I was ready to tear some man's head off when he tried to walk into the store without a mask. Oh, yeah, Mom. Kick his ass. I'll try my best. Love you, girls. If you need anything, please let me or Dad know. Talk soon. Bye, Bye, Mom. Mom. So, mystery solved. Mom had Auntie Bridget's book and gave it to us. For what purpose, though, remains to be seen. Speaking of the book, let's open it up, shall we? Yes, let's. Let's see here. Hostage Negotiation and You, page 68. What is this, the FBI? (laughs) Will you let me read? Stargazing, page 360, and Crow Pie, page 7. Is this book suggesting we eat crows? Why don't we find out? I wouldn't put it past the book. It did tell us to cut off parts of our toes to fit into shoes. True. Let's find out if we have to eat crows next. All right, page 7. Crow Pie. As with any processes of particular importance, the pie begins with the preparation. 
While it is certainly natural to be focused on the final act of the capture, the reader is strongly forewarned against letting haste detract from their observance of the proper rites. Crows witness well, and they do not forget. They remember faces, names, identifying features, and failures best of all. Your impression here will be indelible. Steady your hand. First, you will need to establish a secure base of operations near the habitat to the crow. Of your interest, the reader may be surprised to learn that cities are far more successful grounds than more civil wild of the woods, though if you are indeed surprised, be certain not to allow your face to betray it, lest the crows remember. In fact, the urban environment offers numerous benefits to the contemporary crow. Groups of tall trees are more plentiful than the farmlands. Buildings and pavings raise the average air temperature, and artificial lighting discourages encounters from their natural predator, the owl. See confectionery questions, page uh, three uh. More appealingly still, though, the guns in the cities are never, if at all, aimed at the birds. Huh, that's interesting. Now, while a gathering of crows may seem like a killer opportunity, the reader should reconsider any inclinations to intervene or interrupt. Wait, wait, wait. A killer opportunity as in a, a murder, murder of crows? <laughs> uh -huh. Yes. Uh, crows gather to mate a private moment to discuss our failings or to mourn with great solemnity. In the first case, decency dictates distance. In the second, our pride. In all cases, and the third in particular, pie has no place. Instead, wait until the roost has run its course and capitalize on the lingering that takes place in the twilight of all social gatherings. Here, you will find the corvid no longer interested in the social but not yet willing to return to its individual affairs. And your offer of distraction will be welcome. Do not begin with the pie. Repeat, do not begin with the pie. You will show yourself to be foolish, haphazard, and ill-informed to a watchful witness with a penchant for gossip, and secure nothing but the scorn of every passing pigeon, parrot, and even parakeet, the last of whom may show trademark sympathy but will quietly know you to be simply subpar. Instead, you must opt for an amuse-bouche. <laughs> Ideally, you will have observed your target as much as casual proximity will allow mm. to glean the crow's preferred diet. In all cases, bring a range of options. After some artful arrangement presentation here is key retreat twice the length of civil distance oh. a bird's notion of social distance accounts for the possibility of flight see even birds know how to social distance y'all the next day do the same and the next oh, oh i get it you're making a pie for your new crow friend oh thank god i probably would have actually thrown up if i had to read about cooking and eating crows <laughs> oh my god i love corvids <laughs> i've heard so many stories about people befriending them and the corvids bringing their new human friends gifts they're just so smart <laughs> they really are it's so amazing maybe we should try okay read ahead read ahead okay okay do not be discouraged if your crow does not appear at first. Your dedication will be noted and you will be seen. Indeed, the truancy should be seen as encouraging, as it means you are regarded as sufficiently dangerous to require regard. The next day, do the same. Be resistant to discouragement. 
However, if at any point the reader should find yourself with an audience of three crows, resolve any outstanding business with Morrigan before continuing. Multitasking is not your friend here. The next day, the same. And the next. The reader should not hold suspicion of the bird as being too personal. For centuries, the crows have been maligned in human folklore and legends. Anyone told so often for so long that they are villainous has every right to wonder what kind of creature sees villains everywhere. However, you should also not think the suspicion entirely specious and on the basis of species alone. Any bare and open sky is an open eye, and you have been seen. Your failings are bright, shiny things, and crows love to collect. Show humility. Let the pie wait. At long last, at the same time and place of your normal offering, the crow will appear bearing something for you in their beak. Here again, you must not leap to conclusions and observe the nature of the item offered and the manner and the presentation, which here in particular is key. If it is anything man-made, wait a week. If it is a stone, proceed with caution. If it is a bone, gamble as you will. In all cases, the meal was finally paid for and you should act quickly. Water, bread, and a napkin will be instant. Keep the water filled throughout the meal and the table free of crumbs. Never leave the crow alone. In this moment, remember that presentation is key. Focus on delivering your pastry as quickly as possible before the bird can reconsider. Cutlery is a plus. The bird will know it is both symbolic and metallic and feel seen. Prepare the pie crusts as directed. Do not bake. Make a medium thick gravy with flour shortening and juices. Boil eggs as you would for ramen, runny but not runny, and cover with plenty of dough. Do not bother with a lattice on top of it. We are past presentation now, but ensure the crow's offer can sit snugly in the central divot. Three pecks will grant you one request. One peck, a simple query yes or no. A clean plate means two things. You should put egg boiling on your resume and your arrangement is secure. As you resume your daily life, be discreet but also do not attempt to conceal the bond. The crow cannot risk a distance of more than 100 meters and people will notice. Explain that you fed it once, explain that it likes you, call it a friend, and smile in that third way humans do to explain the unfunny joke was funny and the question was unwelcome. Never call it a pet. Aside from being a grave disrespect, it may open you to legal trouble as crows are listed in under the Department of the Interior's Federal Register of Migratory Birds and therefore is protected by the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. No part of them can be owned. Informative, as always. Do you think we could make an army of crows that are also our friends? Uh, you know, you're usually someone who does exactly whatever they put their mind to. So why the hell not? This year's already had enough nonsense things happen. <laughs> this is so true. Huh. Weird. Mom's calling me again. She may have butt dialed you. What if she kicked some Karen's ass and wants to tell us about it? Oh my god, answer it, Cordy. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Did you have to fist fight somebody in the Rittenhouse? <laughs> Please tell me you body slammed an anti-masker. Ha ha. Thankfully, I was able to get what I needed without incident. I did have a question for you, though. Why did you ask about my Auntie Bridget? You sent us her creepy-ass book. I... What? Uh, yeah. Her legendary handbook? The one with her name in it and the weird clock inside? Uh, girls, I didn't send you a book. 
The Legendary Handbook was created and developed by Caitlin Chin, Miriam Bloom, Unique Trapman O'Brien, and Gabrielle Cerubo. It was written by Gabrielle Cerubo, Unique Trapman O'Brien, Jen Coetz, Gregory D.A. McDonald, and Zihope Simon. It was produced by Caitlin Chin and Cirque Nui. Edited by Alex Santulo, Caitlin Chin, and Gabrielle Cerubo. And our voiceover actors were Cordelia, played by Kate Conover, Eleanor, played by Gabrielle Cerubo, Fiona, by Jossia Reese, and Mel, by Megan Andrew. The original music was composed by Andina. Thanks for listening, everyone, and see you next time.